Hi, everyone. You're listening to Who I Met Today, and I'm your host, Pam Lamp. I'm all about doing one tiny new thing every single day. And on this podcast, I invite you to come along with me and discover something new through conversations with people from all walks of life. I hope you enjoy listening to these interviews and exploring new territory with me. For more people stories and episodes, please visit my website, whoimettoday.com. My guest today is Adam Lee. A fitness and nutrition guru, Adam is the owner of 2810 Fitness, a workout gym in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Adam and his team train and guide a multitude of people who want to lose weight, get stronger, eat better, or simply stay in shape. And he's here today to talk about a few specific exercises, important exercises that will help us continue to do all the things we love as we get older. Adam, welcome to Who I Met Today. I so appreciate you being here. Adam, I'm overwhelmed. I'm in my 60s, and as much as I hate to admit this, I have so many more aches and pains than I did just a few years ago, and it infuriates me. So among other things, what I'd like to talk to you about today is some of the exercises, the key exercises that we should be doing as we get older to stop our bodies from steadily rolling downhill. I hope that's possible. Me too. A little bit of pressure here. First of all, I hope that you think it's never too late to start with the proper exercises. Is that correct? It is never too late to start exercising and seeing not only a, what I would say, a slowing of what people have come to know is this aging process, but you can actually improve upon what you have. So absolutely, it is never, ever, ever too late to start. Well, I think one of my concerns is that we're bombarded in the media with what we should be doing. We should be doing yoga. We should be stretching, Pilates, exercises for bone density, cardio, strength training, weights, foam rolling. The list goes on and on. And it's almost like it's a job to have to keep ourselves in decent shape. To some degree, it is. And we can certainly get into the weeds with this. But you went through this wonderful list of all the different things that one could do. And working through my philosophy, if a person could do but one thing for their health, Pam, it would be to strength train. So for me, if we're looking at this hierarchy, let's say that someone is thinking cardio, someone is thinking Pilates, someone is thinking yoga, someone is thinking strength training, It's one of these almost like triage of, okay, I've only so much time in a week to train. What should I be doing? And for me, the base, the foundation of health, and not only of fitness, but of health is strength training. So if we're looking at how much time does one have, for me, it's can someone get in three hours of strength training weekly. And granted, some of that may be even disguised as a little bit of Pilates, a little bit of yoga, some more traditional strength training, maybe a little bit of cardio. So that's in and of itself is one of the reasons that I like 
strength training. But the benefits, Pam, of strength training go so far beyond just gaining strength. Strength training boosts your metabolism. It decreases abdominal fat. It improves your heart health. It promotes greater mobility and flexibility. It boosts your self-esteem. It helps you look leaner. It decreases your risk of falling. It lowers your risk of injury. There are just too many studies that support that strength training is key to longevity, to vitality. And so for me, it all starts with strength. Okay, I can already tell that I'm going to need to up my game tremendously. With strength training, do you have to use weights? If so, how heavy? Or could you use body weight? So going back to even your initial question about is it ever too late? So there are so many studies that show that regardless of age, whether you're aged 50, 60, 70, 80, or even 90, actually a study I saw where the median age of the subjects was 89 years of age from a 14-week training program they saw an increase of 80% in leg strength, 40% in upper body strength. And something I hit on earlier that people are very dismissive of, and it seems counterintuitive, but their flexibility increased by 30%. And those studies, most of those studies had the subjects working somewhere between eight and 15 repetitions. So sorry for the long-winded answer of, if body weight is eliciting that response. So Ultimately, you do want to tax, and this is with good form, you do want to tax your body, meaning you should be feeling like you're working relatively hard by that last rep. Okay. It doesn't mean that you have to go for broke. And certainly if one's form starts to break down, that is time to stop doing a particular movement. So I hear you saying that in answer to my question, we need to be using weights, not just body weight? Well, let's say that someone is 75 years of age and they sadly are having difficulty even getting off the toilet or getting out of their car, right? Because that requires a bit of strength depending upon what model of car you drive. They may be exerting themselves just lifting their body weight one time from a seated position. So for them, body weight is probably going to be more than enough initially. But for someone that says, you know what, I can, with great form, I can drop down into a full squat 15, 20, 25 times, then I would say, yeah, you probably need to start using some sort of external load. The great thing is your body doesn't know what the external load is, whether it's a traditional weight, whether it's a sandbag, whether it's bands, whether it's a child, it really doesn't know what you're using. It just knows that you're using something. And it, what it has to do ultimately to get a little bit sciency is your body is adapting to that specific demand. So if you impose that demand on the body over time, it kind of has this like, oh my gosh moment. We have to come back stronger so we don't experience this again. And so that's kind of how that strength comes about. One of my favorite books, and I'll put this in the show notes, is called Younger Next Year by Chris Crowley. 
And he started really getting serious about fitness and longevity in his 70s. Yes. And I talked to him a couple of years ago. He was in his 80s, still skiing, still riding a bike. Of course, he has his aches and pains, but he really turned himself around in his 70s. And I believe you've read that book. I have. And because I, I've read the book and I am a fan of that book, I feel like you're name dropping the fact that you had an opportunity to speak with him. So there's a little bit of jealousy when you say that. <laughs> he was pretty inspiring. So, Adam, let's talk about the exercises that are the most important, because I think time is certainly a factor for everyone. You mentioned two to three times a week, 12 to 15 reps of these exercises, and I can put videos of you showing proper form, et cetera, in the show notes. But if you could just describe the exercises and the benefit that they give us, that would be wonderful. Excellent. Something I do want to hit on just for your listeners is the principle of progressive resistance. So we kind of addressed like, what do we need to be lifting? Do we need to be lifting weights? Do we need to use body weight? And then we discuss these rep ranges. I want people to be mindful, again, that they don't have to take themselves to complete exhaustion, but there needs to be over the course of weeks and months, a concerted effort to do a little bit more, a little bit better, whether that be I'm doing a few more reps, I'm doing a little bit more weight, I'm working on my form, that in and of itself can show progression. So it's important that people, if they are going into the gym and they're not challenging themselves, they're not getting the benefit. And also they're going to draw very bored with the activity. So there needs to be a little bit of stimulus to challenge them, not only physically, but almost for them to be a little bit intimidated at times by what they're about to do. But in and of itself, that is so rewarding to know that, oh my gosh, I'm lifting five more pounds than I did a month ago. So that is important when they get ready to start these moves that we're going to discuss. And I'm sorry, I kind of took that side in terms of where the, the discussion was going. But I, I just don't want people to mindlessly going through these things if they want to get the most from them. And, and I'm guilty of that. I know I am. So I'm not going to bulk up. My hips aren't going to get even bigger if I keep lifting more and more weight. There really should be no concern of that. Most size gains are due to nutritional support rather than the exercise in and of itself. So what are the golden ticket exercises that you have for us? I would say unequivocally, six of them are squat, hinge, push, pull, lunge, and carry. Okay, let's start with squats. And again, I'm going to put a video in the show notes so that those who are interested can refer to that. Okay. What are the benefit of squats? So when you say start with squats, I think you should start with squats in terms of your programming. That if, fortunately, we aren't limited to only one exercise, but if one was only limited to one exercise, I think squatting would be the thing to do. Oh, good to know. And the reason being, just kind of going back to earlier in our discussion, that thinking of moving from a seated position to a standing position, that is unequivocally a squat. Someone wanting to bend down or squat down to be eye level with a child, with a grandchild, 
to ultimately maybe even pick them up is a squat. You know, performing certain activities in and around the house requires you to squat, whether you're picking up something from the floor or getting down to pull something from a lower cabinet. So squatting is is one of the most foundational movement patterns that you perform, should perform, or people that have lost that ability wish they could perform. Okay. And I know watching my parents and my in-laws grow older, I saw them having problems with all of those basic activities that you described. Hip hinges. Hip hinges. A hinge basically is strengthening your entire backside. At some point, 80% of all Americans are experiencing low back pain. And much of that stems from poor movement quality, specifically someone's inability to hinge. What they do instead, rather than hinging from the hips, of utilizing the hamstrings, the hips, to produce certain movement patterns, they flex their spine, they round their spine, and then oftentimes, it may not even be a heavy load, but they go to lift or pick something up, and then they end up injuring their back. And so often they think it's counterintuitive to them. They think, well, I don't want to, you know, lift things from the floor ever again because I hurt my back. No, it's simply that you're, you're doing it incorrectly. So hip hinging, as you learn to do that, starts using the hips rather than the low back to lift things. Again, kind of going to lifting children, lifting things from the floor, pulling things out of the trunk of your car lifting golf clubs, whatever those things are, utilizing the hips and utilizing that movement of the hinge rather than the low back. Okay, thank you. Next up on your list, I believe, is pushes and pulls. Yeah, so pushes and pulls, they're kind of in a way what we just discussed for the lower body, for the upper body. So pushes, just anytime you're pushing anything, and I know... At where I'm at in this stage of my life, when I'm looking at things, anytime I need to push a lawnmower, or I was at one point pushing a stroller, and God willing, in a decade or more, I'll be pushing a stroller again, opening doors, anything that requires you to put your hands out in front of you and push, it could be, hey, I need to get up from the floor. And that requires upper body strength to get into position to where you can then utilize your legs or if necessary, grab onto something. So the pushes are important for that. Pulls important too, because we pull on a daily basis. We're pulling things to us. We're pulling ourselves up from something, but also the front side of us gets worked daily. As we spend time on the computer, as we spend time scrolling, as we spend time perhaps binge watching or whatever, our society caters itself to kind of this working in front of us. And it makes sense, but we need to work those muscles of the back to help combat all the things. One of the things that I have seen is that particularly men in their 50s and 60s, and then typically women a little bit later, is shoulder injuries. And so much of that is overuse. And so much of that is simply because the muscles on the front of the body get tight. They're doing nothing to train the upper body. You've got 17 muscles that attach in and around your shoulder joint. And it's those muscles that keep your shoulder intact. All the other joints in your body have ligament that help 
keep those joints together. Your shoulder, it's relying solely on muscle and tendon. And so if any of those muscles kind of get out of whack, whether it be, hey, these muscles are weak, these muscles are tight over time. So it's not necessarily age, but time that can lead to these problems if we're not doing anything to combat them. So rows are a wonderful exercise to help open up the chest, strengthen the muscles of the upper back, strengthen the rotator cuff of the shoulders to promote better posture because, hey, granted, that looks better. But then also from combating those overuse injuries that happen over time. What about push-ups, Adam? I love push-ups. That's a push and pull exercise, I assume. So push-ups are a push exercise. Okay. In terms of pulls, we're looking at rows and then some sort of vertical pull, whether that's a pull down or a pull up, a chin up, if someone has the strength for that. That being said, I think predominantly people should put their focus, again, talking about how much time do I have, right? Put your focus into rows because even though chin-ups are a pulling exercise or pull-downs are a pulling exercise, that actually works a lot of those internal rotators as well. So rows, that's kind of where the money's at in terms of your upper body pulls. Okay, and I see a lot of older people that are stooped in the shoulders. Mm -hmm. Are the pushes and pulls exercises that will help prevent that? So the pulls absolutely will. So they're going to work all those muscles of the upper back. And it's one of those, I still want people pushing. A general rule is to do twice as many pulls as you do pushes. What's next? Carries? Let's see. We can hit carries. Absolutely. So just yesterday, I had a new client ask me, what is this working? And I am very much about training movements, not muscles. So like, I know she was kind of looking for, hey, what muscle is this working? Well, ultimately, carries can work pretty much every single muscle in your body. But I like to, again, look at things in terms of movements. And you cannot go a day probably without carrying something. You know, whether that's a bag, a tote, a briefcase, groceries, something from the living room to a bedroom, we're often carrying something. So it's important that you're trained. And actually, the carry itself, Pam, is it's a form of locomotion. And I said earlier, I started to say that the squat might be the most fundamental movement we do. And I kind of caught myself because I would say, if anything, locomotion is like the ability to get from point A to point B, I think for most people is probably the most important thing. And so although the other things support the carry, doing carries in and of itself is a great exercise. So a carry could start with someone even just locomoting, actually just walking. But then ultimately, I want them carrying things in their hand. Now, in a gym setting, we use weights dumbbells, kettlebells, perhaps sandbags, if you're, you know, access to those of holding those. Now, what I like to train with clients is, yeah, let's hold weight in two hands. Now let's hold weight in one hand. Now let's hold weight out in front of us. Let's hold weight overhead. So actually holding weights in different positions to tax or train the body in those loaded positions. Because it's not just, hey, I'm holding on to something. It's your whole body has to respond to that. Starting all the way from your feet, all the way up to the top of your head. So carries work, can work 
everything. Okay. What do you have next? So lunges. So much of what we do on a daily basis is in what's called a unilateral position to where you're only on one leg or utilizing one arm at a time. So even when I'm working pushes with people, I do a lot of one-arm work. When I'm working pulls, I do a lot of one-arm work. Same with the lower body. We're not always in a position to where both feet are firmly planted underneath us. There's often these times where one foot is well out in front of the other. To some varying degree, and again, talking about what does someone need to do? Is body weight enough? Is loading enough? The simple act of walking for some is a lunge because they step out in front and then their body has to react. It has to absorb and then it has to produce movement. Now, the stronger you are, the more you can challenge that by taking a step, dropping down more deeply, perhaps loading it. But my take is the stronger you can get in a gym space, the harder it is in the gym space, let's say, the easier your life is going to be. Those activities of daily living that we want to continue to perform become easier and easier when you're pushing yourself a little bit harder in that gym space. I have a question about lunges. I know there are forward lunges and there are side lunges. Yes. So which ones or all, all of them should we be doing? Okay. Oh, you're asking great questions, oh, Pam. Well, thank I love you. It. The forward lunge is one of the most progressive lunge patterns someone can do. And I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox right now, but if someone were to enlist themselves into a boot camp class or step into a group X class or group fitness class, it may be day one. Like I've not been in a gym in years. I may not have been in a gym ever. I'm going to take this class and you step into it. Oftentimes forward lunges are in there. The thing of it is, Pam, those are the most aggressive and some of the most egregious types of lunges there are. Now, what does that mean? Meaning like when people say, oh, I don't lunge because it hurts my knee. Well, if you've not done something to build up to that, I can see why it may be hurting your knee. So again, the forward lunge where you're stepping out in front, dropping down, and then pushing yourself backward is far more intense, far more progressive than other variations of the lunge. So if I were to work with someone that came into me and I could tell, because I do a movement screen with clients, like I want to see where they are day one. That way I know, okay, do we need to handle this movement pattern with kid gloves or can we be a little more aggressive with it? One of the things I may start with is an assisted reverse lunge to where they're holding on to something and they're stepping backward dropping down into the lunge, and then rather than pushing themselves backward, they're pulling themselves forward. It's far, far gentler on the knees. It's more doable because they have the assistance. You know, they don't have to worry as much about their balance. It just, it's friendlier on the joints. So we've got an assisted reverse lunge. Then it may be that, okay, I'm going to do a body weight reverse lunge. So then I've got them doing that. And then it may be that I incorporate, you mentioned lateral lunges. Maybe it's I'm starting with a lateral lunge or maybe a lateral squat where my feet aren't actually moving to strengthen that. 
And then maybe now I'm loading the reverse lunge. So for me, it all starts with the reverse lunge rather than the forward lunge. I can tell you right now in my gym where I'm working with upward to 20 clients each week, there are only one or two that I feel extremely comfortable having them do forward lunges because forward lunges are even more challenging than walking lunges. Like a lot of people think like, this is it. This is the challenge, but forward lunges are so hard. So I say all that because things need to be regressed and progressed. So even though everyone needs to lunge, it could look so different from a 23-year-old athlete to an 89-year-old grandmother. So those are the six movements that I recommend someone incorporate in each of those training sessions of two to three times a week. So just to hit those again, it would be the squat, the hinge, lunge, push, pull, and carry. Adam, thank you very much for those. I, like I said, am going to up my game. Congratulations also on your not so new anymore, new fitness center. Thank you. I would like to come out and visit you, even though it's a bit of a distance from Nashville, unfortunately, I'd like to get out there and see you. Adam, I'm all about doing something new every day. And I'd like to know what new thing you've done or discovered lately that you'd like to share with people. So I I like to refer to myself as an avid reader, and I am an avid reader, but I'm an extremely slow reader. But I love books. I feel that books And I know you do too, because so many of your wonderful blog posts are about authors and books. So I know you can appreciate this, but I've always got a book going and a book that I recently finished and then immediately started rereading is a book entitled Leader Without a Title. And the author is Robin Sharma. And it's one of those books that I know I will probably reread annually. It is a business book, but it's far beyond that. It is about, I mean, there is so much life application in it. And I find myself with pen in hand constantly marking it up, underlining things. So I would say that's one of my newer discoveries was this book. Thank you. I'll have to check it out. And Adam, a huge thank you for sharing your expertise today. I really appreciate it. Oh, Pam, just my ability to get to share this with you and with all of your listeners, it just, it's it what drives me. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, that's it for today's show. A huge thank you to Adam for joining me. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you did, I hope you'll listen to other episodes and spread the word about this new show. A huge thank you to Brian at Top Tier Audio for his advice and guidance. And thanks to you for tuning in. And remember, I'd love to hear from you if you discover a fun new thing. My email is pam at whoimettoday.com.